Hello, beautiful people. My name is Alana, and this is the Recovering People Pleaser podcast, where we discuss what it's like and how to identify if you are one as well, ways to grow in your power, depression and self-love, and so much more. start today's episode, I do want to let everyone listening know that this is a triggering episode. I will be speaking on subjects such as narcissism, gaslighting in relationships, and in general, alcohol and drug abuse, and even sexual abuse. So please, if you have any issues or triggers with any of those topics, please either do not listen to this episode or wait for the next one. Regardless, I appreciate you for being here. Hey there, everyone. I just want to start this episode off by saying happy World Kindness Day. I know that this episode will be launched probably about a week after, but I was inspired when I found out that today was World Kindness Day and just felt adamant about getting the third episode recorded today in aspect of the entire meaning behind this podcast. Today's episode off by touching back on one of the things that my mom spoke about on last week's episode when I asked her characteristics or traits that she saw in me as a kid, a teen, basically previously that made her aware that I was a people pleaser or an empath or overly sensitive. And her response was she noticed it when I was in middle school in friendships. And she also commented on relationships. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Today, it's only going to be about my people pleasing aspect in previous relationships, specifically three of them. And I hope that you guys can relate or appreciate or at least understand just how impactful and damaging it can be to be us, to be a people pleaser or a highly sensitive person in narcissistic and gaslighting relationships. So the first relationship that I want to talk about when I truly started to learn how I was a people pleaser and a highly sensitive person in relationships and even an empath was around the age of 19 years old. This person was beautiful, very attractive guy at the time before I knew that he was a narcissist or a gas lighting person. He seemed just very cool, if that makes sense. And in that aspect, I wanted to feel cool as well, cool enough to be with this person. And so nine times out of 10, if this person started throwing up red flags, I acted blind, (laughs) as most of us do in that situation. And it reached to a point or an extremity where I even converted religions for this specific person and this relationship. Because I, like my mom said, she noticed in relationships and friendships with me, I give my all. I go above and beyond for the people that I care about and love. And it's not something that I'm ashamed of. But looking back on, again, certain relationships and friendships, I've learned so much from where I was at at that point in my life. And I'm grateful for the people and the experiences that have brought me to where I am today. So when I was in this relationship, I just remember thinking to myself, wow, I really love this person. They're so amazing. They're so cool. But holy shit, why aren't they answering their phone for four or five days? Like that doesn't make sense. Like he was in college and I was living on my own at the time. And we were grown ass adults. Like you can answer your phone if you see me calling. And something else that I've learned is If somebody genuinely wants to speak with you, if somebody genuinely cares, even if they miss your call, they're going to get back to you or at least send you a message saying, hey, I can't talk right now for whatever reason it is. This specific person just kept me hanging by a string at all times. And as soon as I was about to break off from that string, they would come back around and give me just enough to keep hanging on. And that was what screwed me up in that first relationship. 
especially as a people pleaser, because I felt with this specific relationship, I could fix them. I could help them grow and become a more loving person or a more empathetic person, which never ended up being the case. And again, like I went out of my way, like more than I ever needed to converted religions, which was the most insane thing I think I've ever done or in first place (laughs) tied with another situation, which we'll talk about to how far I have gone as a people pleaser in a relationship. I still have love and respect for the religion that I converted to as a whole. And the community that I had at that time was incredible, but I never met his parents. I met his brother maybe twice and I knew his friends. And at the end of the day, at the end of I want to say two and a half years, I had just discovered too much to the point where like he had been cheating on me. He had been hanging out with other girls, been partying, doing drugs. And there was a situation where he had come home from a trip that he went on with his friends. And I even paid for this trip for him to go on as a birthday gift. And he came home with hickeys on his neck and I lost my shit. Thankfully, that was the end (laughs) because I've been in situations where somebody has not only given red flags, but shown me face forward who they were. And I still just kind of dismissed it and continued on with the relationship or the friendship. But in that specific relationship, I, at that moment, I was just like, oh my goodness, I am done. I'll be leaving now. Exit stage left. (laughs) And I think the biggest thing that I learned from that relationship was to trust my gut instinct, like mom and I spoke about last episode, and to let people show their true colors. And when somebody shows you who they really are, believe them. Stop giving people the benefit of the doubt just because you love them or you want them to love you or you want them in your life because you're just going to keep diminishing yourself and giving these people more room to hurt you continuously cut that shit out. What's crazy is since John and I have been married, I've reflected on previous relationships and all of the things that I've learned from the men that I have dated. And in every situation, I always thought to myself, oh my goodness, I'm going to marry this person. Like everything's going to be amazing. And if I love them enough, if I give them enough of myself, they will give me their love back. But that's not the case. If you are not reciprocating energy or the person that you are with is not matching your energy. That is the only motherfucking red flag that you need. Stop telling yourself otherwise. I'm serious. Until you find your best fucking friend. Do not settle for less. I can't tell you how grateful I am that I went through these relationships because I would have never known what I wanted and what I needed in another person. Because I know that I could be great on my own, but Generally, we see companionship. And if we have that number one supporter behind us, I mean, what's better than that? And it's really hard and really rare to find. And when you find it, when you know, you know. And we'll talk about mine and John's story, obviously, in another episode, because it's insane how things worked out and how it happened. But again, you almost need to go through the shit to get to the the beauty to get to what is meant for you. And don't ever doubt it. Again, it goes back to that gut instinct. Trust your trust your gut and your heart because and your mind, honestly, as a people pleaser, as an empath, as a highly sensitive person, you are going to feel that energy. You're going to feel the vibes. And if they don't match yours, even if like it's like a battery percentage because we give our 110% all the time. Almost most of the time, we'll say. <laughs> If somebody is at like 50% or lower, they're not your person. And this is speaking specifically in relationships. Trust that instinct. All right, I'm going to start on relationship number two of the three that I plan on speaking about with you guys. Um, This one is a little bit harder for me to talk on just because looking back on the relationship and looking back on the person and my overall feeling is or my overall reaction and what I actually tell people that I'm close with and friends with. I don't believe that this that he was a bad person. And I to this day, you know, wish the best for him. I just think that 
he wasn't in the right place in his life. And I pray that he has since, you know, changed or prayed on becoming a better man, whatever. When I first moved to LA in 2012 is when I got out of the previous relationship. I left Michigan maybe a few months after I got out of that relationship that we just talked about. And I told myself that I was going to give myself a year. I moved to LA in September, started dating this person, I want to say January, January or February. So I didn't even give myself like six fucking months, but it just felt right. Like I said, when you know, you know, well, in that situation, it started off as a really good relationship. And this person was not only my boyfriend, but my friend. And they brought me into their friend circle, introduced me to the family. And it was all fun and games. And life felt incredible. I had that support system. But I did not allow myself enough time to create my own support system and group of friends in LA. So I basically just jumped right into this person's life without creating my own in LA. So you can understand why I would stay in that for a while, even when shit got sour, because all I'd really known out there socially was this person and their friends and family, which most of them were incredible. But at the end, I lost just about all of them, which was really hard on me. A few of the main things that I'm going to talk about right now are alcohol and drug abuse, sexual persuasion, um, just, you know, kind of gaslighting in general. And I won't say that this person gaslighted me too much, but I will say that I believe that the way that this, this relationship affected me and the way that this person treated me was a result of their surroundings and their peers. Because one, I hardly ever drank alcohol before moving to LA. I was 22 when I moved to Los Angeles. And I think that I would drink like champagne here and there, if that. And when I met this person, it was like we were drinking every weekend. um, And they finally showed me more of themselves to where they were also doing drugs. Um, Cocaine is very common in Los Angeles. And I'm going to be very honest. I went through a really bad phase with drinking alcohol and even cocaine. And I reached a point where I myself went to an AA meeting. And it wasn't until I sat down and listened to the whole meeting that I realized, all right, I guess I'm really not that far gone. And I still have a decent mindset and enough faith to where I can work on this on my own without needing to be here. And this is not bashing anybody who's been in AA because... I fullheartedly believe in the 12-step program, and I believe that it is such a beautiful community. I realized that I wasn't to that point yet, and I was able to pull myself out of it, but I would keep falling back. So the drinking would go from on the weekends to anytime there was a basketball or football game, and there would be vials passed around under the table, like throughout the group of friends. And I noticed, I want to say a year and a half in, that A lot of the times I was one of the only girls that was ever around the majority of the time. Like when the guys would go out to watch the games at a bar or even just like party at a nightclub. Like I was usually like one of the only girlfriends that was out and about. And so I wanted his friends to like me and I kind of like became the wing woman. And obviously because the people pleaser that I am, I was easily influenced by my surroundings. I know that I'm a grown ass woman. I know that I can make my own decisions and I don't blame anyone specifically this ex of mine for any of the things that I felt or that I feel today because I should have known better. It got to a point where there was a different drug involved in our group of friends that most people do not take. Um, It's something that people who are trying to take advantage of others give to them unknowingly. And this group of friends of ours would take it because it gave them the same feeling as being drunk without the hangover. Now, I reached a point where I I agreed to try it, whatever. I'd only done it a handful of times, but there were a couple different situations where I had been drinking or you know, doing drugs. And I had taken this stuff or I should say a little too much of it. And I would wake up 
basically in bed with my ex. And I didn't realize it at the time. And I talked myself out of feeling anything negative about it. But it was, you know, mental and sexual abuse. And when I had brought it up in conversation, this person made me feel like it was no big deal or, or I had consented to it, which I know that I hadn't. I could I couldn't even keep my eyes open, let alone have a conversation. And all of our, all of these friends, quote unquote, were also doing it. And they were also doing it with either their girlfriends or girls that they had met. And it reached a point where I was so forgiving of it that I literally talked myself into believing that it was okay. It wasn't until I was out of this relationship and looked back on it that I realized just how fucked it was. And... Being a people pleaser or a highly sensitive person, definitely not empathetic or an empath in this situation because I should have read it a little bit deeper. But being a people pleaser in that situation, I forgave all of it before even getting upset about it because I was terrified of losing this person and losing the community and the only people that I had in my life in Los Angeles. And it sucked. But this person eventually went on to betray my trust, essentially, about two and a half, almost three years into the relationship to where I emotionally disconnected from them. It was as if I turned a switch off and I had no control over it. Like once my emotional and love switch was turned off for this person, I just, I tried to turn it back on and it just didn't work. And that was, yeah, about three years after I moved to LA. And again, I, I fullheartedly believe that this person is genuinely a good guy and he was probably one of the best friends that I ever had and he taught me that being in a relationship isn't just boyfriend girlfriend it's best friend and best friend it's somebody that you trust or are supposed to trust and somebody that you can share anything with without being judged where I had never had that in a relationship before so I am appreciative of that that's me giving my positive outtake on that number two okay so before I start on relationship number three of three that we are talking about today. I would like to give you guys an example or a definition of gaslighting. Psychological manipulation. The abuser attempts to sow self-doubt and confusion in a victim's mind to gain power and control, distorting reality and forcing us to question our judgment and intuition. That is a huge red flag. And as much as we want to love these people, they've got some work to do on themselves before they can be in our lives. Plain and fucking simple. So if you've ever felt this before in a relationship, you will question the other person or their actions, or their energy. And they will spin it around and take your quote-unquote insecurity and basically tell you that you are overthinking or overreacting or that you had a cause effect that caused a chain reaction to give them an excuse to act the way that they are or have. And it's so fucked up. Like, I can't even begin to explain how many times or experiences I have felt a person do this to me in friendships and relationships. You question somebody or feel something, or maybe you don't even, maybe everything is good. And this person will figure out a specific reason to put you down or make you feel like you owe them something just so they have power or control over you as a whole. And the shitty thing about that is for us people pleasers is when people make us feel like we've done something wrong or we are not good enough, we try even harder. We pour from our cup and continuously empty ourselves into this person, into this relationship, into this situation to the point where it has a severe negative reaction on us. And it reaches a point where we become trapped because we've drained our energy and our self-love so much that we have become dependent on these people. And that's where trauma bonding comes in. So trauma bonding makes us feel almost like addicted to the person, to the narcissist. It's why we get withdrawal symptoms. I spoke with my mom about this on, you know, the last episode where when I pour too much from my cup and it starts to empty, I feel almost physically sick. 
So when you are trauma bonded to a narcissist, you give so much of yourself repeatedly that you literally get withdrawal symptoms. It's like coming off a drug when you don't have contact with them because a narcissist, especially in a relationship, will spin things around, somehow turn it on us, and then basically just ghost, either ghost or the only communication is just extremely negative. And when they repeat the cycle of abuse, it feels like we need that validation and love. So when it's removed from our life and our day-to-day, it's natural to miss it and crave it. And it sucks because it's as if like the claws are digging in just a little bit deeper and deeper and deeper. And when we go without contact with these people, we have the urge to message them or seek validation in some shape or form that we're missing. And it's traumatizing because we lose our shit. We go out of our minds in that sense. And if you don't relate to this, but you do relate to being a people pleaser, imagine or try to relate this to something else. When you are so used to a habit that you have, let's say you wake up every morning and you brush your teeth and then you work out and you take away your workouts or you take away brushing your teeth. It's essentially going to affect you not only physically, but mentally. And the only way to break trauma bonding is to stay strong and cut contact of any of the negative that's causing you to basically lose that feeling of love and that feeling of validation. And I'm not saying that you necessarily have to create it for yourself right away, but that's essentially what is going to make you better and make you more confident and give you more self-love at the end of the day is knowing that you can break away from this and still be okay. I'm not saying that you got to stop brushing your teeth because God, please don't do that. (laughs) And working out is a blessing, but when it comes to relationships, we get in habits and we get used to other people's habits. And those negative habits, we accept them as people pleasers because we, again, we're fixers. We believe that we can love someone enough to put, basically have them love us the same. And that's not the case. If somebody genuinely loves you and cares about you, you will know because they will show it. You cannot force it. You cannot force another person to show you or give you as much love as you think that you have for them. And the reason I say think is because if you're in a situation where you feel like you are giving way more than the other person, there is a 100% chance that you're not supposed to be with that person. The person that you should be with is the one that will never make you question yourself especially in a negative relationship form. The person that will make you question yourself in a positive form is only going to push you to become a better person, not put you down. All right. So (laughs) number three, after I got out of my relationship with number two, and I'm not numbering them because I don't think that they should be valued or whatever. I just I'm not going to mention anyone's names and I'm not going to give specific details to where people who have followed me for a while know who these people are because I do have the respect for people's privacy and whatnot. So number three, this person came into my life. I want to say it was, it was very shortly after I got out of my relationship with number two. And at the time, I was in such a good place because I had finally started to accept that I was okay being alone. And I started working on my own self-love. I was doing bodybuilding competitions at the time. And I just, I felt great about myself, about my surroundings, about the people in my life. And I knew that whatever happened was, it was going to be amazing or going to be okay at least because I felt so in tune with my thoughts, my emotions, my body, everything. I had learned so much from that previous relationship that I didn't care if I was in one basically ever again. And I had also sworn off dating for another year and lo and behold, someone else came into my life. 
Now, when this person came into my life, I was in such a good place and had such, I want to say, infectious energy and positivity that it lit them up. It basically made them probably one of the best versions of themselves. And so the beginning of this relationship started off incredible. It was very playful and lighthearted. And this person showed even more emotion than my ex had and more awareness and sensitivity. I felt like I connected with this person in the sense that they understood my emotional needs. Because as people pleasers, we give so much of ourselves, we don't expect a whole lot in return. But we do, I don't want to say need to be babied, but we we love the attention from the person that we care about the most. That's really all we kind of need in life is to feel loved by the person that we love the most. And I will say that after this specific relationship, I have come to the conclusion of no matter how incredible your relationship or your marriage is, you still have to have yourself at the end of the day. You still have to be your own person and not lose yourself, which is exactly what happened to me in this relationship. So this one is probably going to be the most difficult for me to talk about, mainly because it has taken me a while to accept what I put myself through and what happened in this relationship. And looking back comparatively from number one and number two and now number three, number two taught me a lot. And there were some very traumatizing things that happened in that relationship. But in this specific situation, and relationship, it took almost all of me, point blank, because my reaction to trauma and my way of withdrawal is depression. And again, I'm going to talk about that more in other episodes and get a little bit deeper on just how bad it got for me internally. But I'm sure that most of the people who relate to a lot of the things that have talked about thus far can understand where that's going. Again, in relationship number three, I was in such an incredible place in my life. I had never felt more myself, we'll say. I felt so intuitive and just so much love radiated from me at every point in the day that I couldn't help but just have a continuous smile on my face. And it was infectious. So when this person came into my life, they were, they felt incredible emotionally and the energies were matched. And when it turned into an actual relationship, it, it started off great. Just like number two, they became my friend first and foremost. And then it was more than that. And it reached a point where I was still so proud and happy with myself that I was turning a blind eye and completely ignoring and dismissing all of the huge flashing red flags in front of me. For example, the first time I had ever seen this person, they had a very small child with them. And it was, wasn't until months later that they genuinely came into my life. And I had even forgotten about that. So I had forgotten to even ask, oh, you know, do you have children? Are you single? Because I'm sorry, we're almost, I was almost in my 30s. This person, I believe, was, yeah, they were in their 30s already. And at that age, it's like, what the fuck are we even doing? Like, why beat around the bush? And, you know, this person had their own business. Like, they were doing well for themselves. They were so personable. Like, every person that ever spoke with them, you know, loved them. They were very much a people person and genuinely a happy all-around being. Now, it wasn't until I started to learn more about this person's life and what I did not know about them that things started to go south. And that took about, I want to say, almost five to six months into the relationship. And at that point, I was less associated with myself and more into this person and my relationship with them. So it started off slow in the sense of conversations and learning that not only did this person have a child, they had children, two of them, but they were still involved with the person that they had children with. And that person was still involved with their family and their, you know, circle. And I'm not saying that that's not okay, because there are plenty of people who 
have kids or get divorced and they still have a mutually respectful friendship or relationship with, you know, the mother or father of their children. That's not the issue. The issue here was that number one, throughout the course of five to six months that we were together, I had no idea about any of this. I had met certain family members, but did not even know that there were kids or that the mother was even involved in the situation. And that really fucked me up because at this point in the relationship, I was so into this person and what I believed was love, in love with this person, that I let it slide because of how they responded to me finding out, well, you know, I've just never felt so connected to another person like you. And, you know, my, I love my kids and I, you know, I'd love for you to meet them. And the only reason I didn't tell you about anything is because I wanted, you know, I was afraid and I wanted to make sure that, you know, this is the real deal, et cetera, et cetera. And that's just me sugarcoating and lightheartedly speaking on how I first found everything out. Let's fast forward to a year later. So this was maybe 2017. Full blown in a relationship with this person at this point. I had, you know, met the kids once or twice at this phase of our relationship and I adored them and I wanted to see more of them because if this person was going to be in my life, like why wouldn't I want, you know, the littles of their life to know who I am as well and appreciate them and give them love as well. And the more I asked to see the kids or the more I asked to spend time with this relationship and this person or their family, the more estranged it got. And the more I was made to feel kind of crazy in that sense, I will say this. Number three told me, I want to say about around a year to a year and a half in our relationship that they still were unsure as to where our future together was going to go or how his future with his children and his children's mother was going to go, which left me very conflicted and almost like I felt like I was in competition. And so I, as a people pleaser, was going above and beyond because I wanted to be in this person's life and I wanted this person to be in my life. And it started causing just, oh my God, beyond damaging arguments and situations. And again, I was already so deep into this shit. The claws were already dug so deep into my back that I had no idea what was even happening when it, when it was happening. And it, I, like I would get shunned. I would get blocked for calling this person, um, too early in the morning or too late at night because of the kids or whatever the situation was. And it reached a point where I was like, what the fuck am I doing wrong? I would ask myself that question. And I'll be honest, I'm embarrassed to admit just how much I had lost myself, lost my intuition, ignored my gut feelings because I wanted this relationship so badly. I became so emotionally dependent on this person that not only was I ignoring the red flags, but as a people pleaser, I was ignoring the people who genuinely cared about me the most and their take on that relationship. Every single person in my life from a year into this relationship, maybe not even, until the very end told me, Alana, what the fuck are you doing? You are not the same person. This relationship is not good for you. This person is not meant to be with you and every other thing that you can imagine in the book. And it it was upsetting because I felt like I had genuinely found myself before and in the beginning of this relationship to the point where I didn't feel like I could take that step back emotionally or in my own self and in my own growth. And I'm, I was embarrassed. And I'll be honest, I'm still a little embarrassed to this day. Not because of the things that happened in the relationship or what this person did to me, but more so because of what I allowed to happen to myself. And the amount of narcissism and gaslighting in this relationship 
that just blinded the shit out of me is insane. Again, I'm not going to get too much into details, but I'm going to give a few references and I'm going to give a few examples just for the people who are listening who have been in this situation or who are currently in a situation like this, whether it's a relationship or a marriage. I don't want anyone to have to feel the way that I did or even do right now thinking about it. And if I'm able to reach out to and help even just one person that can relate to any of this, that's all that matters to me. I literally detached myself from almost every friendship. I lost one of my best friends because it reached a point where she was a roommate of mine and she knew basically a year and a half in after, you know, spending time with this person and she, originally she loved him and got to know him better and saw what he was basically doing to me and what I was allowing to happen to myself, which she couldn't believe that she basically gave me a choice and said, either it's him or me. And I unfortunately chose him. So not only did I lose basically one of my best friends, but I withdrew even more into myself because I knew that if my best friend couldn't accept this person, how the fucking hell was anybody else going to? And it wasn't even about accepting him. It was accepting us as a couple or our relationship in general. I was in such denial and neglected to even accept the fact that, hey, maybe this really is not good for me or good for other people that I care about or that he cares about. So I just withdrew. I completely shut myself out. And it wasn't just because she gave me the ultimatum. It was also because he told me, he, he genuinely said and wouldn't allow me to spend time with people who had any common sense because he knew damn well that they were going to tell me, Alana, what are you doing? Why are you still with this person? Like, are you crazy? And they would they would give me a positive hype up basically and then encourage me to leave. So because this person knew just how much of a hold they had on me, I, they basically detached me. I didn't I did it, but I did it from this person. It was like a puppeteer. The strings were pulled and I lost a lot of people in my life. And I pissed off a lot of people. I upset a lot of people. Slowly but surely, I completely isolated myself. And again, it, was, it, it wasn't until I was completely alone that I realized just what he had done, what I had done. And that leads me to an example that I want to share with you guys. Disassociation is a trauma response from narcissistic abuse. You are physically there, but mentally you are spaced out and you may not have many memories of all situations, if any at all. And when you're with a narcissist, you're exposed to continuously overwhelming stress or threat that you develop this destructive protector parts to try and numb or soothe and protect yourself. So my example on that reference is I would tell people everything was great and grand and I lied so much that I started to believe it. And I became so numb that I fell back into depression. And I reached a point where I was so emotionally codependent on this person and even at some point, financially dependent, like physically dependent, if anything was going wrong or I needed something fixed, this was the only person that I could first and foremost go to because of how they made me feel. And being the people pleaser that I am, I always felt like I had to make up for it. Where in relationships, it's not supposed to be 50-50. It's supposed to be 100-100. And your partner should never make you feel like you have to make up or, you know, give back to them what they have chosen to do for you. Like, even if you ask for help from the person or the few people you care about the most that you know care about you just as much... You shouldn't have to worry about basically having a debt to owe, whether it's emotionally, physically, financially. And that's where I was at at that point. And when I say 
that it got so bad to the point where I had completely lost myself. I mean, when I say from bodybuilding to severe depression, I was in the best shape of my life. I felt the best about myself. And before, it was like you could snap your fingers or a light flash before my eyes. And I went from the best version of myself to not even being able to recognize me in the mirror or my feelings whatsoever. And there was a lot that led up to that, which leads me to my next um, reference. Breadcrumbing. This is a word that I just recently learned about because... We kind of know what gaslighting is. We know what narcissism is. But breadcrumbing, it's it's a manipulation tactic that's used by narcissists that involves them showing a smaller level of interest in their partners. And it keeps us feeling as though there is potential for more within the relationship or marriage or friendship even, that it causes the partner to question whether the narcissist actually cares about them. And they use breadcrumbing as a manipulation tactic for them to feel validated and in control. So for example, in my specific situation, regardless if I did anything quote unquote wrong in our relationship, there would always be a reason or excuse for this person to withdraw emotionally a bit. And they knew how that would affect me and who it would make me become. Because I'm such a giver, I'm such a lover, that if you start to take away the energy and affection and love from me, I'm going to try to tug on that rope and pull it back. And again, a lot of this, I honestly feel like I was in a haze (laughs) or I was like hypnotized throughout this part of the relationship until the end because I was just doing it subconsciously to try to fill my cup back up, which I was beyond negative and empty at that point. And I would do anything to feel nearly as good as I did in the beginning or before I even met this person. And it's really sad to say that. And if you've ever felt this way in a relationship or in a friendship, please just know that that is not okay. Even if you've dismissed red flags, even if you've forgiven people for their actions, that feeling of being depleted of your energy and emotions and love to where you are numb to the relationship or the friendship, that is the end. It should have been the end a long time ago. But if you ever feel what I just described or you feel that right now, cut that shit the fuck out immediately. Immediately. Because I'm telling you right now, even if you've never had genuine depression or thoughts of suicide, it's coming. And I am not trying to scare anybody or try to be negative in this situation, but it needs to be said. That shit is not okay and it is not going to end well. The more you try to pull on that rope, the more you try to pour from that empty cup, the worse it is going to be for you specifically. That person in general, they're going to be okay. I hate to say it. The person that you genuinely want that love reciprocated from, that you are not feeling it from or not feeling it enough from, they're going to be all right. And it's never going to happen. And they know that. And they know that they have such a strong hold on you. And as people pleasers, we are susceptible to continuously trying to give more energy. But again, it's not going to end well. And it needs to end. I will say that as traumatizing as my relationship with number three was, and to this day, I will say that I'm still slightly recovering from, or I have a little PTSD from, I learned even more from three than I did two. And I believe that all three of these men were brought into my life for a reason. And I tell some of my friends, my clients, my family members this, and this is probably one of my favorite quotes when going through a hard time. God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. And for the longest time, I have felt weak or people have told me that I was weak by saying, you're too nice, you're too sensitive, you're too giving, whatever the fuck these people choose to say, because Clearly, they haven't been through it themselves or they choose not to let their emotions be what they are. They choose not to feel their fucking feels. And that's okay. It took me a really long time to understand that I'm not weak and I'm not going to label myself as too sensitive or too emotional. But instead, I'm going to accept the fact that 
this person was not meant for me and there was no way in hell that they were going to match my effort or energy and that's okay. Again, I believe that these people were brought into my life as a learning experience and it taught me what I now obviously know what I want and need in a relationship and my marriage. And I full-heartedly believe that my husband, John, and I talk about this all the time, and if you know me in person, I've probably said it to you. John is the reason why it never worked out with anyone else. And those three people that I was with before him, I genuinely wanted to believe that they were the one. But I ignored all of the red flags and bad signs and shit they did to me or the way that they made me feel because as a people pleaser, I had high hopes. I wanted to see the best in those people as much as I could. And it taught me enough to when I started dating John, even though we dated for a short while before getting married, I knew almost a couple of months in that this is the person that I was going to spend the rest of my life with because not only had he been through a very similar narcissistic relationship, but we understood each other and we understood how people have treated us in the past and how we never wanted to be treated again or treat another person. And we just connected so well over that. I'm going to close out number three with saying it was extremely difficult for me to get out of because towards the end, I remember there being a point in time, and this is during COVID, So not only was I already isolated from, let's say, 95% of my friends, I didn't have my family there with me in LA. A lot of the friends that I had had moved away or I'd already stopped talking to because they were not approved of. And I reached a point where I woke up and I had this revelation with number two as well. I woke up one day and said, I am not happy. I don't want to waste any more of my time, let alone another person's, because even if they're not good for me, they might be better in a different situation or with a different person. And that's all I could pray for at that time. And the only way for me to genuinely detach and get away from that relationship was to leave LA. I was already unhappy there aside from the relationship because again, I didn't have a whole lot of friends there. All of my family lived back in Michigan and it was just miserable. COVID was rough for all of us. But in my specific situation, again, I had reached that point where it was one choice or another. Either I stay entangled in this shitty situation or I leave because I knew that as long as I stayed, there was always going to be a part of me that would allow myself to go back because this person genuinely told me, do you honestly believe that you are ever going to find someone who will love you as much as I do? And I remember hearing those words and just crumbling inside thinking to myself, you know what? Probably not because that's how far I'd let myself go. And as the people pleaser, I strived to try to make shit work because I believed that I did not deserve better. I never thought that I would be in a a situation that was better in any shape or form. And that was terrifying to me. And there were days where I just, again, I didn't even know who I was. I let myself go. And when I say let myself go... I was talking about how I was, I did bodybuilding competitions, the bikini competitions, and I was in such a physical and mental great state when I started this relationship that I had gained, I want to say close to 45 pounds because I stopped working out, even though I was a personal trainer. And I'm, I know that I had lost clients because I wasn't taking care of myself anymore. And I just like, I wouldn't keep up with my physical like maintenance, which obviously a surface, but my mental health showed on the outside. And that was, you know, a result in the relationship that I had allowed in my life for way longer than I should have. As soon as I left that relationship, and as soon as I left LA, I almost felt the physical weight lifted from me because it was as if I was a it was as if I was sick and just getting more and more sick. 
I'm not going to compare it to a cancer because that's it, it felt like it, but that's a little bit more extreme. But I will say it felt like an illness. It was almost like a mental illness, we'll say, that affected me also physically. And I'm still in awe of the fact that I was able to de- detach myself from the situation. There was a day that my mom called me towards the end of this relationship. And I remember her hearing just how like sad I was and saying to me, Alana, like, I love you. And you know that I like this person, but I'm so scared for you. I'm scared of what is going to happen in the future and what you're allowing to happen right now. And it's not that again, that I don't like this person, but my main concern is you. And I see that you're not okay and that you're trying to make yourself be okay. And that's the thing. As people pleasers, we literally submiss and bury and dig deep down to push our emotions aside to make others around us happy, especially in relationships. And that's why it's so scary and dangerous to get into relationships or stay in relationships or marriages or friendships with narcissistic people, with people who gaslight you, with people who make you feel as if you are inferior or always in the wrong and continuously put you down or harm you mentally or physically, emotionally. Take these stories, these three relationships with a grain of salt, because obviously everyone is different and everyone goes through different things. But the reason that I wanted to share these three with you on this episode is because each of them were at a different phase in my life and each of them shared a different learning experience that I now get to talk about with you guys. And I wish I could share more about them, but that would be crossing (laughs) some fine lines there. Just if you hear or have heard any of the traits or similar situations that I spoke about today in any of the three, and you feel those right now or today, I need you to take a deep, long, hard look at the people that you are keeping close to you. Because as a highly sensitive person, as an empath, as a people pleaser, again, we love, we like, Plain and simple, we love. And there's nothing wrong with that, but we've got to start setting more boundaries on who deserves that love and who should even be able to be in our presence. Because I believe that we are such a bright light and we bring more to, we we benefit others if we are our true selves. And we can't be our true selves if we allow that toxicity and negativity so close to us. There's no way that we can ever genuinely be who we are meant to be if we are allowing such close toxic behavior into our lives. With that being said, I want to synopsize this episode and essentially generalize what being a people pleaser or a highly sensitive person or an empath even in a relationship with a narcissist is. The narcissist is able to keep us in a cycle of emotional or physical abuse and continue to demoralize us in general and use us as a scapegoat for their own dysfunctional feelings. And it sucks because we tend to internalize those feelings and accept the blame. And it makes us question ourselves and sometimes take us to even darker places. And after everything that I've experienced in the three relationships that I've spoken about today and the things that I have seen in other relationships with friends, family, loved ones, I pray that people and anyone listening to this does not have to go through those things. Although I know it's happening and it's happening a lot more than I may understand or any of us may ever know because in general, it's very hard for us to admit it. And it's taken so fucking much out of me to get through this episode, you guys. I can't even like, I've had to pause and start over I don't know how many times to get through this episode because I was either about to start crying or so angry reflecting on situations. But at the end of the day, 
I have not only forgiven these people for who they were to me, because I, regardless if it happened to me, it would have happened to another girl from them. I'm just grateful that I was able to make it through those relationships and be able to share them with you today and let you know that there is a relationship light at the end of the tunnel and be able to share with anybody going through any of those situations that I've spoken on. I Like I need you to understand that these things are not okay. None of the things that I touched on today about these relationships were okay. So if you feel like you are in a bad place in your relationship, or even in a friendship, or the relationship that you have with a family member, you've got to take a step back and tell yourself, this is not okay. I cannot allow this any longer. And then you need to kind of figure out how to detach from it. It's going to be fucking hard. And trust me, I know there are times where I didn't think I would ever be able to do such things, but I did. And God, am I grateful for that. And just know that there are people out there who can relate and you can go to and talk to about your situation or about how you're feeling. And if you are in a physically abusive relationship and you are having a hard time detaching or getting out of it, and you believe that there's not a single person in your world that could help or make you feel better about it, please just know that that may be the case, but there are other outlets and there's always a way out and to make your life better as a whole. I promise you, like you do, no matter how dependent you feel on these people, there's always something better for you. No one deserves to feel like or to be treated like they are inferior or their feelings and emotions don't matter or as if they have to continuously make up for the quote unquote love that the other person is giving. I hope that today's episode has given some of you insight and shined uh, or shown a light on certain aspects that you may not have realized in your relationship, friendship, that you didn't really clearly know about until now so that you can assess them, be aware of them and work on it from here on out. I am sending you guys so much love. And before I cut this episode, I would like to leave you guys with a quote. Well, I won't say a quote, but more of a letter. And this is from a person named Shahida Arabi, and it's called Letter from an Empath. While I love to help others, I am not responsible for fixing your life or catering to your toxicity. I am not responsible for managing your triggers, walking on eggshells, or telling you what you want to hear in order to keep the peace. I am not your emotional punching bag, nor am I your emotional sponge. I do not exist solely for your pleasure or as a site for your projected pain. My responsibility is to myself, to be my own person and stay true to myself, to heal my own wounds, manage my own triggers, and engage in self-care so that I can give to others authentically without depleting myself in the process. My responsibility is to maintain healthy boundaries, especially with those who are unhealthy. Thank you guys so much for continuing to listen to my podcast. I am really grateful to have gotten through this episode. I wasn't sure how it was going to go, and I'm not going to lie. It took me hours to complete this one. It was rough. This, this was a tough one for me, and I know that there's going to be more tough ones in the future. But again, one of the many purposes of this podcast and part of the reason why I have been manifesting this for so long is because I genuinely felt like there hasn't been one specific person that I could speak to on all of the things that I've experienced or been through because we all have different different experiences, different situations that we've been through that have caused us trauma or pain or confusion in the past that all of these episodes aren't meant to relate to every single person listening or every person who feels as if they're a people pleaser even. I give examples and you know references so that even if just one person listening can relate and take from it in a positive way, I'm good, I'm happy. 
That's all I fucking want. I wish that I had a little bit more humor added to this episode. Um, I know that there will be more to come, but I just want to let you guys know that I love you and you are loved and that energy and that love that you've been giving so effortlessly for so long, if it's not already being matched, it will. You just got to hang tight for the right people who match it and deserve it. And just remember, even though people will not have the same heart and energy that you do, they will show it in their own ways, how much they appreciate and love you because no one is you. And that's beautiful. You guys, happy World Kindness Day again. Thank you again so much. And I look forward to our next episode together. 